0: Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Roziel and my guest today is Marlon LeWinter. He is the CEO and founder of Energized Media. He's worked with companies like Under Armour, Dick Sporting Goods. He works with the ACL, the American Cornhole League, which was awesome, Venus Williams. He has done so much. He's an incredible publicist. He is a PR machine, and he just does so much. And I thought it'd be cool to have a PR person on the show. Let's talk about PR, right? That's, that's like the cousin of marketing, practically, so why not? So Marlon was a blast to talk to. You get to understand who he is, what he does, what he does for his clients. Absolutely fantastic. He's such a cool dude. So please enjoy this conversation with Marlon LeWinter. Yes. All right. Today For the Love of Sports, I have Marlon LeWinter, CEO and founder of Energized Media, has worked with companies like Under Armour, Dick's Sporting Goods, the American Cornhole League, Venus Williams, and her 11 clothing line. Marlon, how are you today, man?
1: I am awesome, Michael Hubbard. How are you? Thank you for having me
0: pleasure is all mine i promise you that i've never had the opportunity to work with venus williams so i'm uh gonna gonna live vicariously a little bit through you today but uh no man i'm great thank you so much you've been uh, very helpful the last few weeks especially if anyone here on linkedin is watching about 20 minutes ago it feels like i was just on with chad Belding. he was absolutely fantastic podcast is going to be out pretty soon there but i appreciate you marlon also stacy moore of the American Cornhole League. Excited for that one. Um, that one's already out. Everyone hopefully has uh, already enjoyed that one. But Marlon, the first question I have for everybody on For the Love of Sports is, why do you love sports so much?
1: Oh man, sports is, is everything to me. Uh, I grew up on Long Island, so a diehard New York Mets, New York Jets, and New York Islander mm-hmm. fan. Uh, very hard to say those
0: three. Right. I sport- <laughs> three teams in well, the eighties. The '80s for Spare the again? Mets. The '80s for the Mets and the Islanders. That must have been sweet. Yeah, right? yeah,
1: but it's different. You know, it's like whenever you go to like Islander games, they showcase like the core four back, like how the Yankees highlight, you know, Jeter and Pettit, and all. But it, but it was a long time ago, right? So the early '80s the Islanders rocked it. I, I dealt with the Mike Novak years. Uh, uh, John Spano purchasing the team as a fraud. Very interesting, but um. You know, I grew up a huge fan. My dad took me to games all the time. Uh, And then I wanted to get into sports because my dad hurt his knee. and physical therapy every Saturday. The place he rehabbed, all the New York Islanders used to rehab there. So guys like Glenn Healy and Brad Lauer and Kelly Rudy and um, Dean Chenauth and Rich Pilon, all these like old school hockey players would rehab there. And um, I would hang out with them. So every Saturday... Uh, It would be great because, you know, here I am, I'm a kid, right? I'm seven, eight years old. I have my Game Boy. And here I am like going head to head, um, playing games with these guys in Tetris or Mario. And um, at night I'd watch these guys on TV and it was just a really cool dynamic. And I was just like, "How, how can I work in sports and do what I'm passionate about? Because so few people in this world have the opportunity to live a life that they're passionate about. You know, think about the every day that people, you know, you work three quarters of your life, right? So um, every Monday through Friday, you're sitting in an office, you're working from home, and now at times are different. But in general, you don't want to have that feeling where on Sunday night you have that pit in your stomach, like when you didn't study for a test in seventh grade, and you're like, oh my God, I have to go in the next day. So you want to love what you do. So being around these athletes, and, and having a chance to see them in a different light was something I always loved and uh, huge, huge diehard sports.
0: That is awesome, man. Yeah. I mean, that's such a great story. Getting to play, you know, Mario Kart with some of these guys like that. How does that ever happen? And it's just so cool that something that happened when you were really young has been able to now influence who you are and what you decided to do for the rest of your life. And, you know, public relations is huge in all industries. Obviously sports is one of them. And I guess, what is it like for you specifically I mean again you know you said you wanted to work in sports you could literally do anything you could be an accountant you could be a financial advisor you could be a sports publicist you could be a coach what was it about public relations and marketing and branding that drove you to that side of the business to do it through a sports lens
1: so it's a great question you have so um being that the sports industry is such a competitive world so many people would dream to work in there you know I always Envision sports being just one space, right? I grew up a Mets fan. So I figured, oh, baseball, I want to work in baseball or I'm an island fan. I want to work in hockey. And then I remember when I was in college, my dad said to me, you know, what would happen if you worked for the Milwaukee Brewers? Right? So every day there's 162 baseball. So every day you're just updating the stats or you're figuring out some stories to create around the team. Doesn't that get a little bit of boredom there? And he's right, and I thought about it, and, and he was one hundred percent right. I was like, you know what? I wanted to be a sports broadcast. But then I realized I didn't want to go shoot, edit, and write my own stuff, and live in some small town in the middle of Oklahoma, and then move to Idaho, and so on and so forth. To hopefully, catch my break, right? And um, I went out to the Major League Baseball winter meetings, in two thousand four, in Anaheim, California. And I had a friend that worked at Major League Baseball. And he got me the media rate on the hotel. So here I am, I'm out there. And I'm so excited to be part of this job fair, but just sitting in the lobby and networking with people. So for five straight days, I sat out there and um, I had business cards made up and I had a resume packets talking about the work I did in college. And again, my dream was still to be a sports broadcaster. But then I'm talking to someone from Mizuno. And then I'm talking to someone at Easton. And then I'm talking to someone at Louisville Slugger. And then I'm talking to a reporter at Newsday. And I'm like, wait a second, there's so many different facets to the sports industry. It doesn't have to be a sports broadcaster. And someone introduced me to a PR agency in New York. And I, quite honestly, I didn't really know what PR was. Um, And then being in the agency, I saw that people were touching all these different accounts. And that was of interest to me. Every day, there was something new, something exciting and helping build brands. And my career just sort of, I think, took off from there because I felt that the the PR world is very interesting.
0: It is very interesting to say the least. Um, Just kind of the, what you have to do to make it in PR, as you said, it's a lot of relationships. You have the relationships with the teams, the leagues, the athletes, the brands, the media members. And it's kind of, you're, you're essentially a conduit, right? You're the connection. It's like, okay, you have this story over here and you have this brand over here and now you have this person over here and how do you connect the three of them? And that's absolutely who you are and what you do, I think is very important. And How do you feel specifically in, in public relations, sports, public relations, the, the public aspect of all of it is extremely important as we're seeing now, just, I mean, just to be very topical with MLB, you know, baseball is my favorite sport. You talk very um, lovingly about it as well. And now we're seeing these players come out saying like, you know, it's it's funny how in the media, oh, it's a 50, 50 revenue split, which has never been done. It's historic. But when you really break it down, it's like, well, you already asked the athletes for prorated deals and now you're asking them to take another pay cut and now you're asking them to go put their lives, you're, you're asking them to take less money, but still put themselves in the same amount of danger. How how have you been able to kind of walk that fine line and make sure that the sports and the public side of it, you're, you're getting the correct story out there, in your opinion or, or your client's opinion, and making sure that the public and the sport aspect of it are very intertwined at that point?
1: It's all intertwined. Um, I, I think there's a couple of things. Right? One, it's... You have to be honest and you have to be authentic and people want to talk to you and they want to work with you when they see those characters. It's your characterism, right? You know, you read these stories about publicists of celebrities that will yell at a magazine editor because they didn't put them on the the cover story where the photo wasn't exactly perfect. Um, You know, there's a fine line that, that you you don't want to cross. And I think when you build those strong relationships within people respect what you have to say. Um, in terms of PR sports industry itself, you know, right now you bring up a good point. There is very little live sports that are taking place. There, I should say there are very, very little live sports, if any, right? You have you know, the American Cornhole League, which I'm excited to talk about. You have Korean baseball, we um, have some, uh, that deal that was just signed with NBC and lacrosse. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know it's creating the opportunity to insert your conversation and brands and create stories around that. So right now, there are no sports. So baseball players, on one hand, are looking at it and they're saying, hey, people are clamoring for live sporting events. I'm not going to take anything less than what I normally make, right? And then on the other hand, you look at the world, and people are losing jobs, and people don't, you know. People go; they look at sports as a relief, yeah. and it's something that on the weekends that they enjoy going to you as a family of four. And you're already paying four tickets and four hot dogs and four sodas or beers or whatever, and parking. You're already paying this astronomical fee on top of that. So it's how do you create a storyline to, to to let people know, like, hey, we want to bring sports back. We want the fans to feel good. We don't want the players to feel that they're being taken advantage of. But we also want to look at it from holistically and say, like, guys, what's going on here? I mean, the, the unemployment rate as it is at an all-time high right now. So for us to be talking about, you know, you taking a little bit of a pay cut, you have to look at it from that perspective and say, like, come on. Like, let's, let's look at... Your, take yourself out of those shoes. If you were not a for a major league ball player, if you were a triple A or double A or single A, you're lucky that you're making anything at this level, right? So to to have money and to be able to be able to tell that story, it's it's it's, it's creating that with journalists and making sure that you're putting the right the right
0: line. Yeah, it's just it's such a it's just such a fine line to walk. And you know it's always it's it's always the story comes from the off the cuff remark, right? It's not you know, it's not the, the you know, Blake Snell coming out and having a very, you know, well put together statement. It's him at like 12 o'clock in the morning on his Twitch channel where someone asked him a question and he kind of just gives you his honest opinion. So from that aspect, I really do appreciate it. And from the other aspect, you're completely right. It's let's, you know, a little self-awareness never hurt either. Right. It's like, let's let's see what happens. You don't have to come out and, and you know, poo poo everything like, you know, keep your mouth shut in, in 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 a certain situation. I side with the players. But again, it's the self-awareness of it it's the understanding of what the hell is going on and that's where someone like yourself comes in and hopefully is able to help them so maybe we'll uh we'll reach out to blake snell after this and see if we can do uh do anything to help him out but i guess you know especially in the pr space uh you we see it in the movies all the time right it's always you know kind of it's fast this it's glamorous you're going to cocktail parties you're wearing fancy suits you're you know as you said before you're screaming <laughs> at people and like so how you know, there is some sort of, you know, reality to that. Like, you know, as I told you before, you know, every time I, I've sent you a message, except for one, I think I've received an immediate response. Um, what is that always on lifestyle like and how how do you cope with it? Cause it can run people down. I don't I don't even think that's a question, right?
1: Of course. You know, it has to be the passion that you have for your job. I love my job. Like I truly love it. You know, I, I worked on the agency side for a long time. Uh, working with brands you mentioned before, you know, primarily Under Armour was my main account for, for nine years. And I would be the boots on the ground guy for all Under Armour, Super Bowl, Senior Bowl, NFL Combine, All-America games. And your mind is constantly running and thinking about, even though I'm at Super Bowl, I know that in three weeks is the NFL Combine. And how are we going to react to the NFL Combine? And what are, where are we going to activate around? Oh, and then NBA All-Star games. Is pretty close to that oh and right after that is the NFL draft and it, it's just this ongoing sports cycle and that's q1 primarily right like a lot of things take happen to take place early on in the year but you really have to have a passion and a love for what you do in the sports world I, I, I love waking up every day and trying to give my clients the best client service possible you know you mentioned that I get back to you right away that is very important to me I take tremendous pride in my job. Relationships are what PR is all about. So if I don't get back to you right away, you're not gonna look at me as someone that you can count on down the road. If if something comes up, you may say, I need an immediate response. Hey, Marlon didn't get back to me right away. I'm not gonna reach out to him. I don't want that to have, be the way you look at me. I want you to know that I'm always gonna get back to you. I'm gonna do everything that I can to help you. And I'm gonna make sure that I am, you know, from from soup to nuts, that you have everything that you need for me. But again, I'm not just going to reach out to you when you I need something because that's not how the business works. It's a two way street. The relationship element I, I harp on it a lot. It's very important to me. I want to get to know what you're all about, what your interests are. If if your favorite team does, goes on a nine game winning streak with like the Mets, I want to reach out and just say, Hey, Michael, really cool. Love seeing the Mets on such a roll. Like I want you to know that I'm constantly thinking about. When else is going on. Because that's, that's how this business truly works. Um, it's a grind a hundred percent. It's a grind. You know, I have a, a wife, I have a two year old and I have a, um, a preg- uh, a baby boy on the way my wife is 39 weeks as of this particular moment. Um, but uh, you know, and I know that she says to me all the time "Like you're always on your phone, and I, I'm checking, not scrolling on, on Facebook or Instagram, You know, I'm really checking to see what's going on. If I see a story out there, I want to respond to it. If I see an opportunity for a client, I want to be able to make sure that my client knows that I'm thinking about them all the time. And that is important. That's the industry that we choose. It's not a nine to five, but I don't think there's anything in this world that's a nine to five job anymore, right? If you're truly passionate about your job, you're not shutting it off after five o'clock. It just doesn't work. You, know, you want to make yourself stand out. What's going to make you stand out? It's those intangibles: the passion, the drive, the energy, the determination, the fire in your belly. That's what makes, I think someone a, a truly great at their job.
0: Yeah. And, and I completely agree with you. I mean, I, I don't, I've never had a job where it was, you know, the regular nine to five, except like an internship in college, I think. And that was the worst job I ever had. I mean, great company, incredible people there, but that just was not the job for me. So it's just always interesting. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, You know, so many people I know, it's like, oh, it's five o'clock. Like, I can't answer that email. It's like, what? Why would you not just answer that email? It'll take you five seconds and then you don't have to do it tomorrow, right? Like, it's just so confusing to me. And hey, we all got our morals, our missions, our values, whatever. But I completely agree with you. It's the opportunity you know, if you can get something done and you have, if you want to get it done too, right? Like you own your own business, I own mine. So it's maybe a little different for us, but just understanding what's possible. Someone's coming for your job, whether you like it or not. And you have to be on top. Your client's not going to accept like, Oh, sorry. It was after six, like couldn't get to it. It It's like, maybe, Hey, I was eating dinner. Maybe that's why it took me 30 minutes to answer. Right. But it's just always confusing and and interesting to me when you hear people that, you know, are in that nine to five, mindset too. It's not just the job itself, but it's the mindset on top of it.
1: But having your own business, you have to work even harder than that. Right. So you know it's
0: don't don't get me wrong. Like
1: I I also create a work-life balance for myself. It's very important for me to spend time with my family and for me to enjoy the lifestyle. I moved out of Florida about five years, which I can't believe it's already five years. But um, I lived in New York City for 12 years. And I love going up to New York. I love the hustle and bustle, but I actually find myself more productive. When I go up to the city now, because I go up typically this wasn't a pandemic that we're currently in. going up every six to eight weeks and I'll go up for three days. So I have 72 hours to bang out as many meetings as I can. And I will make sure that I'm setting up those times to, 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 to squeeze in every single ounce I can to talk to everybody while I'm up there. And you know, that I find to be more productive than when I lived in New York, because it was raining one day and I'm like, ah, Know what? It's raining in. i oh, sorry about that. It's raining in New York one day. Up. Oh, sorry, I. Uh, I can go tomorrow. No, yeah. like I'm up there now. I want. I want to do it now. But um, this, the industry, I think, PR and its entirety, you always have to be on, and it's not always glamorous. Like, sure, you see, like you mentioned, those cocktail parties. Don't mm-hmm. New York, Super Bowl. Um, I love going to Super Bowl every week because to me, it's the best networking opportunity I've ever been. If you. For anyone who's, who's been to Super Bowl knows um, the, how Radio Row is set up, and you have all these different um, TV networks and radio stations all in this large space surrounded by the NFL network. And, you know, you kind of go from location to location, but there's a who's who of celebrities and athletes and media all walking through. And to me, it's more about capturing the essence of that particular moment than... You know, I'm not like, oh my god, I'm at Super Bowl. This is the coolest thing in the world. Like, it's my job, and people hear, oh, that's Super Bowl for the week. It's not like I'm sitting back with my legs kicked up and, and and having a cocktail.
0: You know, I was gonna say you're not drinking beer the whole time. Um, and then that that brings up another good point. You know, the sports industry is always something, and I, I get to speak to a lot of people about this. You know, it's. You, you get into sports because you love it so much. You got into it because you love the Mets and the Islanders and you want to hang out with those people. And now instead of it being the thing that you get the most enjoyment out of now, it's a job. So it kind of brings it back down to neutral, whether you love your job or not, it's still a job. You still have to do things. You're still stressed out in certain situations. And then it's, you don't even get to enjoy the thing you were doing before, right? You don't even get to enjoy watching the games as much as you used to. I'm sure you still love the Mets. Um, why? I don't know. I do it too. Or masochist, whatever, however it works, but how, how, how have you dealt with that aspect of it? Now, again, as you said, you know, you're know, you at the Super Bowl, but it's more of a work trip. It's more of a networking trip, as you said. It's the best one, but it's more of a networking trip than it is, hey, I'm at the Super Bowl. Let me go enjoy the Super Bowl.
1: Well, because I think my teams just have never been good enough to reach that <laughs> level is probably a reason why, but it, it's very interesting. You know, I've had been very fortunate to work with a tremendous amount of athletes in my career, and I've gotten to know a lot of them on personal levels. And it's interesting because you'll see them compete against your favorite team. Uh, They're, you know, one's a hitter, one's a pitcher. And you're like, ah, it's, bases are loaded. There's two outs. You want them to get a base hit right now, but you look at it differently. Like you want everyone to succeed. There's 162 baseball games, right? But if my friend could succeed and do great, it's an exciting feeling all around, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But I just, I love the whole um, idea of being in the sports world. I've gotten to learn about sports that I've never been familiar with before. And you get to have a new perspective on things. And I love hearing stories that these guys have, like, you know, whether it's uh, uh, Willie Randolph telling me about, you know, what was going through his mind when, you know, Cliff Floyd stepped up to the plate or Carlos Beltran or, or hearing, um, I know you just shook your head there. <sighs> I know. Like it was just never going to forget that, right? Just Swing the bat, so was,
0: man. Just swing the bat. That's all I wanted. <sighs> That's
1: it. I remember. I'm in the stands. I'm so excited. Andy Chavez makes this great catch, seventh inning, right? Pulls it back over the fence. we Are going to the World Series, like in your head, right? It was Yadier Molina hit that. Was it Yadier Molina, right? I
0: I can't remember who hit it. I can just remember the him going. Oh my goodness.
1: Amazing. And we're going to the World Series. And then the bases are loaded. Jose Valentin and Cliff Floyd comes up and pinch hits and strikes out. But the bases are loaded. Beltran's up. I remember, three and two count. Wainwright throws the curve. This little kid next to me just hysterically starts crying. She, Shea Stadium is like virtually mm-hmm. silent. It was, Shea, it was at Shea right there. right? It wasn't it C- still It was it season C-
0: mm, What was that? It was six. Sure. So it should, I think it was still Shea, wasn't it? it was I don't th- know. Uh,
1: yes. I think oh nine. Yeah. It's very, very sad. But, um, you know, you, you hear these stories and you're excited for me to, to be around these guys. And um, something I truly enjoy. I love of building those relationships, but not just as a fan. I don't, I don't, I, I take, you know, I, I never forget, like I, I'm there because it's my job. So I'm not hounding that about things, but I like to get to know them as, as people and learn what, what interests them it's exactly how I look at a medium. Right. I look at someone that an intern at the New York times, I treat him the exact same way as I would treat the editor at fortune or Forbes magazine. Because someone's going to, you never know where people wind up. And everyone's going to move up in their careers. And, you know, you always want them to know you treated them with respect and that they were someone you, you were someone that he
0: cared. Yeah, it never hurts to be nice to someone, right? It's actually pretty easy to be nice to most people too. Oh, so yeah. I, I like the way you're looking at that. And I know we went into that little diatribe about the Mets right there. I don't really know why we did it, but I think that's just because we're Mets fans. We like to remind ourselves of... Uh, all the terrible, terrible things that have happened to us. Ah, of one of these days we will have a
1: good season. I was,
0: uh, I was at the World Series game in 2015 that they won when Noah Syndergaard pitched uh, 60 feet, 6 oh, yeah. inches. Like That was incredible. I have never felt that feeling before, and that's just one of the biggest reasons why I love sports is it, the, the emotion that's attached to it. You're never going to... I, I, can't, I, I can't describe it because I don't know what that feeling was, just the energy, the vibrations in the, in the stadium, standing room only. I was standing next to this 90-year-old lady who who hasn't been to a Mets game in forever. And she was just like, can you drive me? I was like, absolutely, Lois, we can drive you. Of course she comes to the, it was just the like the whole story around it, the pageantry, everything. Nice that I went to the one game they won too. So that was kind of cool. But so with, you know, with the, the media aspect of it, you know, as you said, you're developing relationships with people. You're, you're at treating everyone a, like a human being. So we appreciate you there. But as you said, you know, just because you're an intern doesn't mean, you know, in five years, you won't be very important somewhere else. So of course, like, why would you start burning bridges? And why would you treat people like, um, you know, subhumans, especially considering and so what is it like developing relationships with all of these media members and, and going out there and just, you know, pitching stories and knowing, as you said before, who likes what and how do they like it? And, you know, how do they want it to be told? And, you know, how, how does that entire aspect of the PR world work? Because it is very, very interesting to me.
1: It is, but you, it's a job and you have to of dedicate course. yourself yeah to wanting to do that. It can't be something you turn on and you say, hey, I wanna to get to know X, Y, and Z this week. Like, If you really wanna make it happen, you have to make it happen. Um, I have a couple of stories to tell you. One, when I was in college, I used to keep this notebook and it would be everyone that I ever met, I used to write down um, Jenna Wolf, who has been a amazing mentor to me. She is the host of First Things First on Fox Sports mm-hmm. with, um, with Nick, Nick Wright. Uh, she used to be on the Today Show but I watched Jenna's career. She worked at MSG Sports Desk, uh, WABC New York, uh, as a weekend sports anchor. I just watched her career just evolve. And I remember my, I was an intern at News 12 Long Island, and my reward for being a good intern was to go to New York Jets training camp. So I go to training camp, I'm standing next to the camera guy. There's a, a woman next to me on the sideline, and we just we started talking. She had our mic flag, and I'm like, talking to her. And she tells me she works for MSG Sports Desk. I didn't even know what MSG Sports Desk was at that stage. But I was like, oh, that sounds great. You know, we start chatting. And she's like, my name is Jenna. And we we built this friendship. And I remember shooting her an email and just saying, thank you. And I, I still have it because I also kept the folder. Um, This is, this is actually going off on a tangent here, but I kept the folder of emails from people as well as rejection letters from every sports team I ever applied for, because I used to love getting the logos on the envelopes in the mail and being on the team letterhead and being like, wow, the Cincinnati Reds rejected me. But I got a letter from the Cincinnati Reds. Oh, pretty company. cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but it was, it was, and I used that as motivation, right? And I have like, I, I remember I once posted on Facebook, I had like 50 of them around me. And I was like, this is motivation. To never give up on your dreams and follow through with your passion because if you want to work in this industry uh, you can make it happen but um i remember sitting there at jet's camp talking to jenna and then shooting her an email and just saying thank you so much and she wrote back hey anytime i can help you let me know you know and i, I remember like wrote in my notebook met jenna wolf chatted about such and such she is a huge fan of chocolate little things like that and i would next like, next time i spoke to her i would say hey jenna last time we spoke Um, You mentioned so-and-so. I wanted to see I'm paying attention, that I care, that Mm -hmm. I genuinely love what I do. Bruce Beck, who is an anchor on WNBC Sports in New York, also been a mentor to me. And the same thing for Bruce. I remember once talking to him, he's like, hey, I have to get off the phone. I have my son's Little League game. Next time I spoke to him, how was your son's Little League game? I wanted Bruce to see I genuinely cared about what I did. And these are hustlers in the industry. If you ask anybody about Bruce or about Jenna, these are hardworking, passionate people who hone their craft every single day and they love what they do. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of work. And when I either email a reporter or talk to a reporter on the phone, it's the exact same thing. If a story doesn't work for them, if you don't mind me asking, why doesn't this work for you? What could I have done differently to, to maybe make it work for you? Oh, and by the way, I also work with X, Y, and Z. If I can ever help out with this, let me know. Oh, I love fitness or I love the game cornhole. What are you doing with those guys? Because you never know where a conversation leads to, you know, we live in a world right now where, where and you hear it all the time, right? Where the internet is a blessing and a curse. So you can shoot an email to somebody and you can um, build a relationship that way. You can actually take the time to get to know what people are all about. You can search, read them up on Twitter or LinkedIn or read some of their articles and make reference to some of those articles. If you like it, don't just do it to showcase, oh, Steve, I really enjoyed your article about you know, turtles that bathe on the sand on Friday evenings. Like you want to do something that genuinely is of interest to you. Mm -hmm. And I think people, again, they see what you're all about. They see that you love what you do, that you read and you pay attention. You know, and a lot of times when I, when I reach out to reporters, if if, if I, if I see that they, maybe they've written one story on the sports business space, they primarily focus on this. Hey, I know this may not be, Directly for you, but I saw that you wrote an article on X, Y, and Z a while back, and I was wondering if if maybe you think this is a fit. Nine out of 10 times, a reporter will say, hey, it may not be a fit for me, but my friend Nancy is working on this story. You know what? Why don't I put you in touch with her? Because I think reporters, you have to put yourself into their shoes. They're getting bombarded with emails every single day. They're getting bombarded with phone calls. They're getting bombarded with text messages. You have to learn how people like to be pitched. Is it short and is it sweet? They don't want press releases just flooding their inbox. They want to know that you're actually paying attention to what they about. That will make you stand out. I know it sounds so simple, but people do not want to go the extra mile to build those relationships or take the time to do these things. And that I feel is how I got to where I am because I genuinely want to trust it. I want people to know what I'm all about. I want people to know that when they're getting something from me, going to be something that fits right in their
0: wheel. I love that. And I think it's very important. You know, people, it, we're all individuals, right? As you said, you can't just throw a press release out there and expect everyone to clamor for it and jump on it. It's its the opportunity to understand who someone is. Just have a nice conversation. Again, treat people like people, right? It's like As you said, it's not like the hardest. It, it sounds so simple, but no one, not no one, obviously, there are people like yourself, like Ross, our good friend, Ross, um, as well. You know, it's, there, there are few people that are willing to go that extra mile and to do what they need to do. And, and I think, you know, one thing that it sounds like, um, you are an organization machine, it, it seems like, so if, if I may, I hope I'm not overstepping boundaries to say maybe a little type a personality somewhere in there, but, um, you know, you know, and with that, you know, like that's, that's not who I am, you know, I'm not that kind of person. So I have to work at that significantly. It's not like you, that just, you know, I'm sure you work at it significantly too, but how, with now owning a business, you know, what a, I want to know what that, you know, you had that notebook in college, what does your spreadsheet look like? What does that Excel document look like with all the people's names and their information and their emails and their phone numbers, but also with now owning the business on top of it, you know, before, as you said, you were at an agency, you were also at IMG for a minute. So I think that's very important owning the business. Now, what, how much of an extra layer is that on top of everything else that you need to do for all your clients and to make sure you're connecting with the right people at the right times, the right places?
1: Yeah, it's very, very important. You know, I, I look back on my career and I spent a long time on the agency world. And I remember I would build relationships with clients that would say, "Hey, are you ever going to go off on your own? You know, like you, you should consider it. I think you, you have to be a special person to do it. Not any everybody can just can do it. And um, I've looked up to a lot of people that have. And I said, you know what? I can make this happen. I really can. Um, definitely not easy, but you. I have this this drive inside that is so that, that pushes me every day that I refuse to fail. I refuse to let anything get in my way. I'm always going to do whatever I can to make sure I'm exploring every opportunity possible. I refuse to take no for answer. I don't feel that you, you should take no. Permits. I don't think that you have to do that, right? Um, in my phone, I have in my notes I have conversations about all the people I talk to. You know, hey someone's like legs volume, big very huge Seinfeld lover, whatever it might be. I have no about these people. And I make reference to it, but I also I, I I keep a lot up here. I just I have a very good way of just memorizing and remembering There are important. Um sometimes I'll come down in the morning, and I'll have post-it notes or on my desk with notes that Hey, call so and so, remember this? Because things spark stuff. I could be scrolling through Twitter, I see something in an article, I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to reach out to that reporter. I want to put a note about it. Oh, and by the way, I saw that this reporter also once wrote about a cornhole. They might have interested in me reaching out on behalf of the American Cornhole. So I try to put the two and two together. I also, when I am in the supermarket, I find myself looking at how different brands operate, right? And now is a different time. I'm with everything in the pandemic, I kind of go in and out of the supermarket. But I would go to Target or Costco and see who they were carrying and you know, look through the aisles, not necessarily what I'm going to buy, but more so with a different um, different focus of, hey, it's pretty cool. I wonder if this brand is of interest. I wonder who's doing the PR here. And then I'll write down the names and I'll go take a look, see who, who if they could possibly be a, a fit for me. Right? Or I'm mean, like the same way. I'm also very complimentary. If I see people doing great. Work, or, hey, I want well, to you know, I think yours would be not standard. I, I just I think the good comes with the bad. You always want to let people know. In job, um, but also, you know, looking at these brands and saying, hey, is there an opportunity that I can help you? Um, the relationship elements are so, so, so important, um, especially with your own business, because I will keep a spreadsheet saying, hey, here's a list of competitors to my client here's where I see them in the news and I want to make sure that I can tell a story very similar to this one or make sure I insert my client into that conversation next time. So I, it's, a, it's virtually impossible to know what's going on. Every reporter is writing. Uh, every reporter at all times. Sometimes other publicists, I have to sometimes pitch other, other brands to be part of a story to make it so it's not a commercial mm-hmm. on my specific one. And I think that's an art, I think that takes time and patience and effort to make sure that that can actually happen properly. Um, you know, one thing I, I wanted to touch on, you mentioned before, um, I'm, I'm very, very, very proud of this, um, but I work. Um, I proposed to my wife live on the Today Show, in Orange um, 2015. So 8.34 a.m. March 7th, I own for that period of time like that no one could ever take that moment away from and when I tell people that I have the best relationships out there because I truly believe that I do I will showcase that link to the proposal to them and I think it helps humanize me a bit and it gets to know gets to know me and what I'm all about so many people out there could say oh yeah I know someone and so but I'm actually trying to showcase who I do actually know here's
0: a cool way it's definitely an interesting way to propose to your wife i'm sure she loved it um and i'm sure you loved it too right it's it's uh you you know you put that in in the notes as well and i appreciate it i was going to get to it but i think it's just so interesting again you know it's a this is kind of next level right it's not just yeah i know somebody at the today show it's I know somebody at the today show to the point where I can get my proposal live on television. Right? It's just like an entire other level to have something like that as a possibility and and you know as as we've been talking about with your business and the people that you know in the media side, how what about the client side as well? Right? Like now needing to build up this client list, you know, people like like Chad, people like Stacy as you said, you know, you can send them this link and say, Hey, I actually know people that I can get things done for you and I know how to do it and get and get it where it needs to be. How is it developing relationships on that side? Because I'm sure there's a million prospects you would love to have. And there's a billion people on planet earth, whatever it is, however many billions, how do you make sure that you're finding the right clients for you and that they can understand the value proposition that you can bring to them to ensure that Hey, I will make sure you get into the right places at the right time.
1: It's a great question. Um, I am very lucky that my entire business model is word of mouth. I feel that I've been very fortunate that through my um, years working on the agency side, I built these relationships with clients, but, you know, and also the media, but people go to different places. No one's anywhere forever, right? So I may work at Under Armour. I may have worked with somebody on the sports marketing side. Maybe they left and they went somewhere else. Um, but I've been very fortunate to see how those relationships have truly evolved because of watching other people's careers. But again, it ties into staying in touch with people, right? It's not like, oh, I, I see somebody post on LinkedIn that they're now the head of marketing at X, Y, and Z. I, I don't, hey, I'll shoot them a note and say, congrats, if I haven't spoken to them. But I'm not going to then say, hey, are you looking for a new PR? Like. I feel that, you know, one example, right? Because I I think giving real life examples is what's most important. So, a company called RevTown, it's performance denim, started by some former Under Armour guys. I worked with Under Armour for nine years on the PR side. Even though I was not an Under Armour employee, I felt that I, Under Armour, had enough trust in me to send me on their behalf to all of these different locations and all these different events to represent the brand. And through there, I would talk to somebody in sports model. I would talk to somebody that worked in footwear. I would talk to someone who worked in, in baseball and you never know where those relationships would lead to. And I just, I didn't do it for any other reason than I didn't genuinely like talking to people and getting to know them, what they're all about. So it, they would tell me that they go somewhere else. And they're like, Hey, Oh, well, you know. I remember we, we spoke uh, during the all American game I and you told me that, uh, you know, I, I, that you always loved, you know, working with, uh, with Under Armour in this capacity, I want to let you know I'm now working at such and such. We need some PR. Would you be open to, to telling us about your services? And they just open the door for me. I still have to to showcase mm-hmm. them all and showcase the work that I do. But if someone can open up the door for me, I feel that I do, I do a very good job at, at, at making a mark once I get that door open. But like I said, 100% um, has been um, referrals. And other people telling me word of mouth, and that that's important. That's something I think a lot of pride in, because you know I've, I've met a lot of people over the years. And I also think um, I hated my name when I was younger. I really did, because nobody had the name Marlin, right? When you're in classes, and I think now having a bit of a different name has helped me, because it's a name I think that people have, have remembered a little. Bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but I'm always looking for new business opportunities. I think that you. You wouldn't be doing your job as an owner of a company if you weren't, and you always have to be positive about things. Even if I don't win a piece of business, again, same question that I'll ask immediately: Could I have done something better? You know, is there a reason that you chose them over me? And I take that feedback to heart, you know, because that that that, help, that always is going to help me grow as a, as a business. I love it, and you know,
0: a couple couple things one I personally don't believe in luck uh, you're not lucky that you have word of mouth you did an extreme amount of work to deserve it you earned the word of mouth part portion of your business to allow clients to come to you um, and you clearly are crushing it for them and we do appreciate you there and and you know just to your point at least your name's not Michael like ever I had like seven michaels in every single one of my classes growing up it was the most annoying thing um still not a huge fan of the name I like it whatever we'll roll with it I'm not changing it anytime soon but it is what it is. And I think, again, it's just it's a great testament on to, to how hard you worked, but kind of how you've been able to see what needs to be done and how you can get it done and do whatever it takes. As we said before, it's just an always on, always active type of business PR and now owning your own business. There's that extra layer of, hey, your name's on it now. You know, it's not IMG. It's not Under Armour. No, it's Marlon the Winter and understanding that you now are the face of everything. You now have all yeah. of it to do. So I think that part, it's incredible what you've been able to build, man.
1: Well, thank you. I, I appreciate it. I'm very proud of it. You know, I, I literally wake up every day and I love what I do. I truly, 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 truly love it. I know you've probably heard me say that quite a bit in this conversation, but it's important to me to love what you do. You know, it's your podcast is called For the Love of Sports, right? You love sports. I love meeting new people. And you never know what the crazy thing is to me is everybody always knows somebody. Right, a conversation has to start from somewhere, and somebody opens up the door and oh, have you ever spoken to so and so or my friend who writes for for Forbes? Um, because Michael, because you connected me to somebody, because you and I had a great relationship. And I look at and I, I truly believe it's also the work that you do, the seem that you go above and beyond from that. Unfortunately, the PR world can be difficult at times. Some people have had bad experiences on PR. The, in maybe it was a particular. Um, agency they didn't like but sometimes my job would have to be even harder. A, I have to convince them why they need PR but then B, I have to convince them why they should hire me because they may have had a bad experience with somebody else and I think that people need to understand that you know, I don't I'm never going to guarantee any, anything. I talk to, I, I pitch you a new for your business and I'm going to tell you I will do everything that I can. You have been, you're have the you never going to find anyone more passionate or driven or determined. But if you're going to tell me only you're going to judge me based off getting you onto the Today Show or getting you onto on the New York Times, I, I can't tell you that that's going to happen. I will do everything that I can and I will try to find somebody that can write about what we're doing because you have to believe in what you're pitching. You know, you, I, I'm not just going to take on anything. I want to be passionate mm-hmm. about it. But I also know that as a as a businessman, I can't just rely on sports or entertainment or health and fitness. While I love playing in those spaces, that doesn't mean that I, if someone, a client comes on to come comes on and says, Hey, I want to work with you. And um, do you have any background in this? Well, anything could be pitched. It's just a matter of telling the story and finding mm-hmm. the right way to pitch it where it's not a commercial, where it's something that people want to read about. You know, um, I always look at a client and i will listen to what they have to say and then i'll listen to what a reporter would have to say and i try to put that fine line there and say okay here is where i truly think the story can best be told but if you're only looking for a commercial i can't tell i could tell you that this this particular outlet won't take that you know uh, that, i think yeah. clients enjoy enjoy hearing honest honest feedback
0: of course. Yeah. I mean, everybody, again, treat people like they're humans, right? Like they're, you know, I'm sure they deal with people occasionally that do have, you know, the biggest egos on planet earth. And those are not, they don't seem like the type of clients for you. You seem like you work with people that need help, that want help and understand how you can help them. I think, you know, as long as you can set expectations and show the value that you you can bring to them. I mean, it's been absolutely fantastic so far, working with you for a little bit of time and you know, and getting to know your clients a little bit better, having them on this show. And that's why I really wanted to have you on as well. So I'm very grateful that you did come on and share some of your story with us. Just understanding who they are as people. It's very clear how, you know, and why your relationship with them is as well as it is you know obviously as we said you know we had uh stacy moron commissioner of the uh, american cornhole league awesome dude seems very down to earth and seems just very appreciative that he gets to work with cornhole as you know as his job like how cool is that and you know chad belding just he was easily was one a-
1: cornhole becomes a professional say that I, again like that could it be any cooler than that like game cornhole has become a professional sport. And I look at some of the placements that I've worked to get, Stacy, I remember we were on the Stock Exchange, uh, CNBC. We're doing a live interview on the floor of the Stock Exchange. And they're like, cornhole is a professional sport. And Stacy looks at them and says, absolutely, it's a professional sport. Because if you take scores and stats, you can make that into a professional sport. And um, my strategy behind the Cornhole League was the human interest side of it. Right, I cannot dunk like LeBron James. I cannot shoot a hockey puck like Sidney Crosby. I cannot um, hit a home run like Mike Trout, but I could pick up a cornhole bag and not be intimidated and try to play at a backyard or where a bunch of people are hanging out somewhere in a park. And I think that's what makes that sport so attractive. And also the sport itself, um, what I love most about it is uh, the, the the element of every single player has a day job. Right, the cornhole is their is their weekend getaway, and you know what? And they can make money playing that if they're good at it. But you know, Cody Henderson is a 28 year old warehouse manager in Jackson, Ohio, and um, Mike Pfaff owns a pizza um, a couple of pizza locations in Cleveland, Ohio. Like, how cool is that? And these are professional cornhole players, and I think that is what is attractive. So. You know, how do we tell that story, right? Well, with the idea of reaching out locally and helping tell their stories locally. Hey, so and so's on ESPN as a professional cornhole player. They've gotten sponsors, this, and then it's the growth of Cornhole and the business behind it, and how Johnsonville comes on as the as the as the platform sponsor because they see, and I know you said that in Stacy's interview, like they are the perfect fit. You know, mm-hmm. you look at that and and what makes a sponsor and what makes PR strong is when you actually have a great story to tell. And when you could do a case study that Johnsonville comes on and they're seeing more Google searches um, after July 4th and the previous five Julys combined, you look at this and you're like, wow, that's a cool nugget. People want to tell that story. And that's what makes a story impactful.
0: I completely agree, and and just again, the Johnsonville sponsorship is so perfect. I remember seeing it; I was just like, "Yeah, obviously, like the best Bratworths, in my opinion on planet Earth," with one of the most fun barbecue games. Like, it's it's obviously just like a perfect, perfect connection, and I and I love it. And 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 man, I just think you know what you're doing. It just the more you talk about it, the more I think I made the wrong career choice, and it's. It's okay. We'll we'll see what happens. Maybe uh maybe I'll get to shadow you one of these days when you come back up to New York City. We'll see how it goes. But no, man, this is this has been great and doing so much and and you know now owning your own business and working with some incredible people like we've talked about. What are some of those future accomplishments that you're looking towards? Whether that's short, mid, long term, is there a specific league out there that you've always wanted to work with? Are you going to start working with Pete Alonso in some opportunity? My words, not yours. Don't worry anybody out there listening. Like, what are the types of things that you're trying to do moving forward to maybe either expand upon your business, build upon it, or, or just find new avenues to enjoy, keep continue to enjoy what you love to do.
1: You know, I, I love telling stories and I love hearing what businesses are creating. And I love helping them grow because like, sometimes you hear these ideas and you're like, Oh my God, what a great idea. How did I not come up with something? But if I can help tell that story, it, it, it's, it's exciting for me. So I'm always looking for new business opportunities. I really enjoy the entrepreneurial side of things. I feel like we live in an entrepreneurial world right now. You know, I went to Quinnipiac, um for college. I was a communications major. I t- told you from the beginning of this conversation, I always wanting to be a sports broadcaster. And you know, if entrepreneurship was a major, I probably would have done that. I just have that inside my bones. It's something I really enjoy doing. Um, what does the future hold? I, I don't know. Um, I just know that I want to wake up every single day and love what I do. So just like I kind of fell into the PR world, I've kind of run with this and really enjoyed it. Who knows where that's going to lead to? And who knows if I meet a client who comes up with this great idea and then we partner up, and you know, try, try to build something from there. You never know where, where things lead to. But the good, the good thing here is I've learned a tremendous amount um, from all my, uh, throughout my entire career on the agency side. You know, I've, I've had a chance to work with some, really high-end brands. Um, I've also had a chance to work with someone like Venus, which was really an honor to to be able to do something like that. Um, It was weird. I I remember um, she was in the French Open and I posted on Facebook, when your boss is playing in the French Open and you're sitting at your desk looking at her empty computer. And it was just because she sat next to me, right? So it was just kind of like odd to watch this (laughs) her across the country playing in this tennis tournament on a on Tuesday, she'd walk in and do her work at the computer to my left. But I think that you take all these experiences and all these opportunities and all these relationships and, and you see where, where it leads. Um, I, I just, I really love, um, and I love like the fact that you and I having this conversation, that's important. We've built this relationship already. I love listening to your podcast. I love hearing how you go in depth. You, you pull information out of them because you genuinely want to know what they're, what they're all about. Your first question, why do you love sports? Everyone's got a passion. My passion point is sports entertainment, health and fitness. I've spoken to you a couple of times after I finished the Peloton ride, right? Because I always try to get that in every day. Um, it's hard with kids, but um, it, it's still very uh, inspiring to see what's out there. And you know, as technology continues to grow, you wonder what, where, where this will lead to next.
0: Yeah, it's, it's incredible. And no, I I do enjoy your, uh your, your post Peloton phone calls. Uh, I've gotten those a couple of times, but I do appreciate it. So Marlon, this has absolutely been fantastic. I appreciate all the stories. I appreciate all the insight, your wealth of knowledge, and I'm very excited to continue this relationship with you. And, and, you know, we'll just We'll see where it goes. You know, as, as you said, this is literally my favorite thing I get to do is just ask people questions and get to hear these stories. So if you can think of a way to get me paid doing this for the rest of my life, just kind of keep that one in the back of your head because I would sincerely appreciate wow. that. Uh, but no, Marlon LeWinter, CEO and founder of Energized Media. Sincerely, sincerely appreciate your time today, man.
1: Hey, thank you for having me.
0: Thank you all so much for listening to this episode with Marlon. As I said, just such a cool dude, learning how he's done everything, what he's done, always on, always doing his thing. And he had his baby. His wife had the baby, which is absolutely fantastic. So shout out to him and her and their beautiful new baby over there. So thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for your time. It's the only thing we don't get more of. So I appreciate you giving me some of yours. And I hope you make it a wonderful day.